read from Acts 2 before we get into it today. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a lot of people. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, they were together, they had everything in common, and they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone that had a need. And every day, y'all say every day. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. We're going to hear this a lot over the next several weeks. We're going to talk about the early church a lot. Today, we're going to be sharing a lot of vision for this fall. And so if you would, man, just join me in prayer. God, we love you. We welcome you into this place. We know that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you are here with us. God, we know that you are here. And Lord, I just ask that you would open our eyes and open our hearts and our ears to be able to see the goodness of you and your word. God, I pray for anyone that walked in this morning, beat down by life or discouraged, or maybe they're far from the things of God. I pray that today they can be refreshed by your spirit. We ask that you would move in this place. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. If you would, go ahead and grab a seat. You can say hello to the person next to you if you want. It's going to be a really good Sunday. We've been uh, believing for and praying for uh, you guys over the last couple weeks as we've geared up for the fall. And uh, man, it is exciting to be um, in the house of God, and, and I, I'm very, very excited. We're going to hear today in a second. Today's going to look a little bit different, by the way. Uh, here in a second, in a couple minutes, we're going to watch a video from our founding pastor, my senior pastor, and uh, then I'm going to come up after he gets done sharing via video, and we're going to talk about some specific vision for this campus and for this region in northwest Arkansas. New Life Church has been uh, such a blessing to my family. It's been such a blessing to my walk with God. I walked into New Life Church in Conway in college uh, back in the day, the old glory days, and uh, my life was radically changed in New Life Church. And I love the vision of this church that you can be set free, that you can be saved, and that you could go and reach your friends and family for Christ. And uh, I love that vision. It, just in case you didn't know, we have locations across the state. kind of want to tell you where they're at. Um, Conway, Little Rock. If I say a city that you're from, just, give, make, just make a little noise. You know, Conway, Hot, uh, Hot Springs, Little Rock, West Little Rock, Downtown Little Rock, Mayflower, Saline County. Oh, man, Saline County. Pine Bluff, whoa. Cabot. Searcy, Heber Springs, Greenbrier. We have an NLC Espanol campus in Conway, the online campus reaching across the globe. Russellville, Clarksville, all the Vills, Fort Smith, and Fayetteville. Yeah. It's, it's one church in many locations, and it's exciting to be a part of a vision that's bigger than ourselves. And I, I get to spend time with our campus pastors all across the state. We sometimes do it through video, but we'll drive into central Arkansas and meet together. And it's such an honor because we get to encourage, we get to share vision, we get to pray for each other, um, we get to laugh a lot, eat some good food. And, and I believe and we believe as a staff that Arkansas can be a state that's known for Jesus. 
I believe that this state, especially this region, can be known for something other than just the Razorbacks, even though we love the Razorbacks, okay? We're about to watch a video from Pastor Rick, and as he shares vision, I want you guys to be writing some things down about what this looks like for your family, for your life, and then after the video, I'm going to come up and share some details about what we're doing in this region. Y'all check out this video. Hey, everybody. I'm Rick, one of the pastors here. My wife and I, we helped to start this church 21 years ago, and my voice is not normal right now. So I know it might be a little hard to hear me or a little agitating, and I'm sorry about that, but I just, my heart is full for vision right now. And I've noticed that sometimes before you have vision, you have to hear vision, and some of you haven't heard from heaven in a while. So I'm going to talk to you about an experience that changed my life recently, and, uh, and I think it's intense, but... It certainly relates. All of this reminds me of a Boudreaux story, if you'd like to hear it. Boudreaux, his wife is Marie, and she was losing her hearing, and he was worried about it. And she didn't even believe that it was true. He couldn't get her to the doctor. So he gave up. He was playing golf at an ENT, and he said, man, my wife, she's losing her hearing. I'm telling you, it's not good. Maybe you've heard me tell this story. And the ENT said, well, just bring her in. He says, she won't go. She's so hard-headed. She don't think she's losing her hearing. It's a mess, man. And he said, well, just go home and do this test to her. Stand about 10 feet behind her and say something normal at a normal pitch or the volume normal. And if she doesn't hear you, go to 9 feet, 8, 7, and figure out where she responds and come back and tell me, the number, and I'll let you know how bad it is and what she needs to do. He said, Doc, that is such a good idea. So he went home. She happened to be cooking. He was excited about that. He stood 10 feet behind her, and he said, Hey, Marie, what's for dinner? She didn't answer. He said, Man, she can't hear. He got to 9 feet. Hey, Marie, what's for dinner? No answer. 8 feet, 7, 6, 5, 4, 4 feet away. Hey, Marie, what's for dinner? Still no answer. He goes, man, this is worse than I thought. Three feet, two feet, a foot away. Hey, Marie, what's for dinner? And she turned around. She goes, I done told you nine times. We having crawfish, Boudreaux. Nine times. This whole time, he thought she was not able to hear. And the truth the whole time was he wasn't able to hear. When is the last time? You heard from the Lord. I find right now we can see a lot of people who frustrate us. And we go, man, why are they not hearing from heaven or in the word? I'm going to tell you right now, this is a time where you need to check and see. What is the Lord trying to tell you to do? The scripture says in John chapter 10. Come on, church. Verse 27. Sheep, listen to my voice. And not only do they listen to my voice, but I know them and they follow me because they hear. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. The voice of God, the sound of God. Just a few weeks ago, I went to, I went to Poland, Warsaw. The next morning I was going to go to Kiev. 
Ukraine. Maybe you've read a little bit about that. But for some reason, I wasn't feeling so good. They didn't know if I had COVID or if I had pneumonia. And we still don't know. But that day, they just decided not to let me go. I was going to speak to many pastors, and we were going in 10 hours into Kiev. That night when they got to Kiev, I couldn't sleep just thinking about them. It's a dangerous place to be, to be honest with you. But these pastors there are leading people, and Ukraine's having revival. A lot of people who didn't even believe in God a year ago because of the war, they're running to church. I hear it's an incredible thing to see. But when they got to Kiev, in the middle of the night, these alarms started going off because in the middle of the night, uh, they were bombing Kiev. And my friend Dave, he went outside and he started recording uh, the sound, the, the alarms. You probably heard alarms go off because of tornadoes. Maybe you've even heard a tornado before. I've never heard a tornado, but I've heard the alarms because of a tornado. I've even heard alarms based on a hurricane. I've even heard hurricanes being from Louisiana. But I'll tell you what, I've never heard the sound of war or an alarm go off saying that there is war. So he sent me this video. I want you to listen to it. Right? This is when all the people are trying to, to hide. And Ukraine's been through a lot of war. Uh, but this alarm going off, you can imagine the fear, the PTSD, and all the things going with it. When I was in uh, Warsaw, there were refugees who came from all over Ukraine. They had heard this sound. The sound of war. I was with one 13-year-old girl. I had to leave her sick grandmother and a mom there, and her dad had to go to war. He's just gone. She had to carry out her five-year-old brother. The stress on this little girl beautiful young lady but a big bald spot on top of her head because of the stress of war when I heard that sound though I thought of Arkansas I thought of our church I thought of you this is what I thought I, I thought we're in war not as a nation but as believers we are and you can hear it it's real. When you first start going to church, a lot of times it's because of something seriously wrong. You, you could have wounds. You could be addicted to something. You could have a marriage that's just fallen apart. You, you could have so many things and you, you just go, man, I just need the Lord. And you, you run the church. There's a lot of reasons why people would run the church. Sometimes people accidentally bump into a church and realize, I'm in trouble. I need Jesus. I love it when people find the Lord in our church. It's like an emergency room. And then when you're in the church, you ultimately become a family. For 20-something years, I've seen us become a family. But over the last three years, I noticed that, that really we should not just be a family, 
but we should be more like an army. And I don't mean it in the terms of real war, but spiritual war connected to one another, fighting for one another. Listen, if I have to ever go to war, or if one of my kids or grandkids ever has to go to war, you don't really want to be at war in the trenches with your family. You want to be there with soldiers. And I just want to let you know that I can hear the sound of war asking for us to show up. Uh, one time, I was able to go to Normandy, and I saw the beaches, Omaha, and I don't know if you know this, but more people were killed in the preparation for D-Day than actually on D-Day. They started preparing on, in November. Obviously, D-Day was in June. And not only that, but the part that bothers me the most about it is that the biggest amount of people, the largest sum of people who were killed on D-Day, it was from friendly fire. But they didn't know. They had these clickers. They were describing it to me. It was like it. And in the middle of the night, that's when they showed up on those beaches. And they would, if they heard someone else, they would. And then the response from the allied nations or even their own friends was to click back twice. Like, this is me. I'm, I'm one of you. But some of them didn't get that message or they thought it was stupid. And they weren't really paying attention to, to the instructions. And so when they clicked and there was no response, they just mowed them down. And the next morning they realized that it was their friends. If we don't understand the magnitude of the spiritual warfare that we're in, let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to start turning and fighting one another. You can see this in a lot of different places. And I want to let you know that the Bible talks about, remember the song we used to sing? We're in Lord's army and we, we fight a certain way and we prepare a certain way. If you look at the armor of God, you can see that it's a, a breastplate of righteousness and a shield and you can see it's a belt and you can see it's a helmet and all of it, it's, it's like we're, we're soldiers, we're with the Lord, let's go. But there's nothing for the back because we should never retreat and turn away. There's, that's not who we are. And right now, I see a lot of us turning away. We're just not like all in. That, that's really what I'm talking about. Maybe my voice is not all in right now, but I'm all in. Which part of you is... All in vision. Sometimes before you can see vision, you have to hear the sound. And I just, just want to encourage you to be somebody that gets up every day saying, I'm, I'm all in because we just lost too many people who were just family and not part of the, like being enlisted. Who do we need to re-enlist? Who do we need to list in? Like, and now I really want you to think about you. Boudreaux was wrong. His wife was able to hear. It was him the whole time. 
with that in mind, the vision that we have right now. Your campus pastors are about to teach you. They're going to teach you about compassion. They're going to teach you about the next generation. They're going to teach you the importance of life groups. And they're going to teach you about prayer. Here's all I'm asking you to do as a pastor. When I, when I heard that video that you've now heard, I started thinking about like if we're, this is for keeps. Maybe we're not in war physically with another nation, but the Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And, and man, when you see all of the armor, people talk about the six different armors that we wear. There's seven, and we don't ever count the last one. In Ephesians 5, we always talk about don't live as unwise, but live as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We read that, but we don't read the first part. It says, wake up, you sleeper. Like, wake up, you can't be asleep. In order to accomplish Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. This is not like just family here. This is people who are ready, fully in. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. Hear the vision? Against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, that then it says in verse 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth. That's one. Buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. That's two. And with your feet fitted with the readiness. That's three. That comes from the gospel of peace. The peace that we need it can only come from the word of God. In the middle of war, you have to have peace. Vision. You have to hear it before you see it. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. That's the next one. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But no one ever mentions the seventh one. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Like as a pastor, I love seeing all the requests. It even says, it's challenging, this next part, it's challenging us not just to be a part of the family, but to be all in for one another. It's, it says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We can't just stay as a family, a little sweet, sweet family. We have to be there for one another in prayer. And let me tell you something. That's warfare. We get before God and we are serious every day. Before we turn on our phones, before we turn on the stove, before we march out the door, we get before our God because we are all in. That's our vision. 
I think that God is going to move us in, into a place. We're going to change positions where we are to where we should be. And it's all because we're going to hear the Lord say, it's go. And as your pastor, that's what I'm really praying for. Let's pray as your campus pastor comes up. Lord, we thank you for the things that you're asking us to do. We thank you, Lord God, that uh, you're trying to stir up something inside of us that's paying attention. So we look up. And Lord, as, as Paul was able to somehow pray from heaven, like from an eternal perspective, Lord, I pray that we'll just get out of just all of the things of earth, but we'll see things eternally. Help our campus pastors share vision. But more than that, help us all hear from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I love hearing vision from our founding pastor. And so for some of you, uh, that's your first time ever meeting Pastor Rick. His voice doesn't normally sound like that. Um, he sounds like he's been smoking for about 45 years right now. Um, he's, he's had some uh, problems with his voice. And uh, I love my senior pastor. Uh, back in the fall of 2021, Kendra and I, uh, if you would have asked me last summer, I would have told you that we were going to be planting a church in northeast Arkansas. Um, nobody really wants to go there. Um, and I thought that uh, we were going to move back home with Kendra's family and pastor a church close to a farm and uh, all those things. And God radically changed the direction of our lives. And uh, here we are in Fayetteville. We came and spoke and and fell in love with this city, fell in love with this region, fell in love with most of y'all. Um, and uh, we, we decided that we're going to move here and we're going to pastor in this city. And I, I absolutely love it. And, and at, at a staff meeting this, this week on Tuesday, uh, Pastor Rick mentioned the Lord's Army. How many of you have heard that song before, the Lord's Army? Well, I didn't grow up in church, so they started singing and I was like, these are these are freak shows. What is wrong with y'all, okay? And uh, so if you, if you know that, sing it with me. I may never march in the infantry, stride in the and shoot the artillery. I may never shoot for the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, Man, either I was really bad or y'all were really bad. I don't know which one. I think I got off a little bit, but uh, man, I, I don't know about you guys, but I can tell you in my home, the Tom Bowley family is fired up about what God is doing in this church. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. We're excited about what God's doing in the city. We're excited about next Sunday, which is going to be Life Group Launch, which will also be a different type of Sunday. I'll give some details about that at the end of service. And as I've prayed for this fall, the, the phrase that keeps coming to mind is this, it's time to run. If you've got a journal or something, you can write it on your neighbor, uh, on their arm. It's time to run. And some of y'all are like, I ain't running. Nowhere, okay? Uh, it's time to run, and it's time to run full speed towards the things of God. And when someone's heart gets out of rhythm, and doctors would tell you this, that you would need a, you'd need a cardioversion. And in a medical it's a medical procedure that would use small shocks to restore um, your heart back to a regular heartbeat. And I think that a God-given vision can do the same thing. Has anybody ever been without vision in, in your life? 
maybe you got off track a little bit, you lost some motivation towards doing the things of God where God was calling you. Vision is like an electric current that God uses to get your heart beating for the things of God again. And it gets you back into rhythm, it gets you back into sync with him, and, and it gets you marching to the beat of his drum. And you see, sin has an interesting way of creeping in and getting you out of the vision that God has for you and for your family and for the church that you're a part of. It robs you of every good thing. And I'm not sure how your heart has been personally, but I can tell you right now that if you would get behind the next four things I'm going to tell you, then you can be on fire for the things of God. I believe that it can change your home. I believe it can change this church. And I believe it could flip this city upside down for the name of Jesus. Habakkuk 2, it says this about vision. Write this and write what you see. Write it in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. It's time to run. This vision is a witness pointing to what's to come. It aches for the coming and it, and it, and it can hardly wait. And it does not lie. If it seems slow, then wait. It's on its way. And it will come right on time. Four things that we're aiming at as a church this fall. Number one, I want you to write this down. I see a church that is hungry to grow. I see it. Who's hungry right now? Anybody skip breakfast? Okay, somebody is really hungry. Um, I see a church that's hungry to grow. Last week, we talked about fanning into, the, into flame the gift that God has put on the inside of you. And I want every single one of you to burn bright for Jesus. I want every single one of us that when you look back at this time, you see a pivotal moment. It's like, that's who I was and this is who I am today. I think that God can do some crazy things if we would desire to grow and be hungry to grow. Um, I, I've talked to you guys about this before, but Stretch Armstrong, I know some of you played with Stretch Armstrong growing up. Stretch Armstrong doesn't grow unless he gets what? And the, the life of, of a believer is the same way. Some of us want to grow and become more and, and, and do the things of God, but we don't want to be stretched. And I'm telling you that it's time to stretch and get out of our comfort zone and take a leap of faith. I love the idea that swords only get more sharp by friction and heat. And some of us, the first sign of friction and heat, we go the opposite direction, right? I want us to be sharp. Psalm 92, it says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God, and they will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green. So fresh and so green, green, okay? You will stay fresh and green. Your time with God is everything. And as I've been telling you, and I'm going to say it, I, I hope I sound like a broken record. I want you to set the time to pick a place and don't leave that place until what? until joy hits your spirit. Time with the Lord. A great place to start stretching is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. We are going to be meeting right here at 6 a.m. Some of y'all are like, I ain't stretching that early, okay? Uh, we're going to meet, and we're going to pray. We're going to have a little bit of worship, a little devo, and then there's going to be time of silence for you to spend time with the Lord, and we'll have you guys dismissed around 6.55, and it's going to be great. I want to enc encourage you to come check that out. We're doing a prayer and feasting, by the way, instead of prayer and fasting this season. Uh, some of y'all are not very pleasant to be around when you are fasting. So we're going to adjust. I'm kidding. We're, we're going we're gonna to feast, and we are going to pray, and it's going to be good. Um, Colossians 2, verse 7, it says, Let your roots grow deep down into him, and let your lives be built on him. 
then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I love in Acts chapter 2 what we read earlier. It says they met daily. Now, when you're um, encouraging a new pastor or somebody who's planting a church in a new city, that's not a good method for growth. Hey, just encourage everybody to meet every day. Okay, some of y'all are like, I ain't coming back tomorrow, okay? Meet every day. They met every single day. That, this is crazy. Imagine that I show up today and I'm like, from this day forward, we're going to meet every day. Some of y'all are like, Seth, you just told us we're meeting Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, right? They met every single day, and, and they got into the presence of God. Y'all, the early church met daily. And here's the thing. They were so hungry for the things of God that they couldn't imagine going one more day without being together. Because when the church started, that's how they got into the Word. They gathered together. They would pray. They would break bread. And they had a blast in the presence of God. The only way they ate spiritually was by meeting together and opening the word. I love that their hunger for God determined the model of church that they did. What if we got to a place that your hunger for God would determine what we do Monday through Saturday as a church? Sunday we celebrate all that God has done. I want you to listen to this. I'm a pretty easygoing guy, a pretty nice guy. Would y'all agree? This is not rhetorical, okay? I'm pretty easygoing, but some people, when you get hungry, you're not very pleasant to be around. All right, just nudge your neighbor if you, you know, it's like, it, you know, some of y'all, it's like, you're not very pleasant, right? You get, you get cranky, get a little bit salty. Some of you would even say hangry, right? It's like you're hungry and angry at the same time. Well, I love what I do so much every day. I could work, 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 okay? Like, I love what I do, and sometimes I forget to eat breakfast. I'll forget to eat lunch. Some of y'all, like, I've never missed a meal, okay? Like, <laughs> I'll forget it, and then I get home, and Kendra knows, she would agree with this, that she could usually tell if I missed a meal, right? She could tell by the, my attitude, and I'll just forget. I forget to eat, and the time rolls around to come home. I haven't ate all day. Some people, when you eat, you are already thinking about the next meal you're going to eat, okay? Anybody, anybody that way? This is the reality is that hunger is contagious, and especially in a church, a hunger for God is contagious, when I sit with people, when I, when I speak on a Sunday, my prayer is not that you would just come here on a Sunday and get fed and leave and wait for next Sunday to be fed again. My prayer is that it would be contagious, that it would spark something on the inside of you and you would want to be hungry for the things of God, that you would want to be hungry to grow. I love being around faith-filled people, and, and the more people I'm around that are full of faith, it triggers me to be more hungry for God. And it's like you're trying to be healthy. I know I'm trying to clean up my eating a little bit, trying to exercise, and I'm, I'm really going for about three minutes a day of exercise, and it's been going great. Um, I'm kidding. I'm really trying hard. And, uh, but here's the thing. I can get around a few people that are talking about pizza, and I'm done for. Anybody else? Like, they start talking, they're like, pepperoni. Meat lovers, sign me up, okay? Extra cheese, four cheese, cheesy crust. Some of y'all, your mouth is watering. You're sick, all right? They just start talking about ingredients, and it's hot, and it's homemade, and they got the good ranch. Anybody eat ranch on their pizza? Not the Hidden Valley. I'm talking about the good stuff, right? Cold ranch. And by that point, I, I'm done for. Like, I just, I want pizza. I didn't want pizza before, but now I want pizza. And my, my prayer is every Sunday that you would come into this place, and it's like I'm talking about hot, fresh pizza. 
And you would leave and all you can think about is pizza. Somebody say amen. That's what I want with your relationship with the Lord. That your spiritual hunger is sparked and you would crave the presence of God every place that you go. That you would get so hungry it would spark something in your family in your coworkers, in your workplace. I see a church where your time with the Lord, your quiet time, y'all don't miss this, is more powerful than any weekend experience in, this, in the state of Arkansas. That you would rather spend time alone with the Lord, and by the time you get here on Sunday, it's just like an appetizer. Oh, Seth, that's like dessert, you know? The, your time with the Lord, it's, it's everything. I'd say it this way, that if your Bible is unmarked, and it doesn't got some lines in it and circles and highlights. If you've got an unmarked Bible, it's going to be really hard to live in the days that we're in. The world's getting crazy. It's already been crazy. It's only getting crazier. You could read about how the story ends in Revelation. I'm just telling you, we have to be rooted. We've got to be growing as believers. I see a church that's hungry to grow. Number two, I see a church that is battle-ready. Turn to your person and say, next to you, say, say get ready for battle, okay? I, I see a church that's ready for, for battle and ready to fight. Growing up, I did not follow Jesus until college, okay? I got tricked into going to New Life Church, got radically saved, surrendered to ministry, and here we are today. But I grew up, I was, I was a fighter, not a lover, okay? Any, anybody, did you grow up a fighter? Anybody been in a fight in here? Some of you are like, yeah, I got in a fight last night. We're going to pray for you right after service, all right? I, I was a fighter in middle school. I've always played baseball. I've always had a, uh, somewhat of a strong arm and could throw harder than the rest of the kids in my grade. And so we were playing wall ball. I've never really played wall ball before. Anybody played wall ball growing up? And, and, and you know how it goes that you throw the ball, rule number one, you throw the ball at the wall, and then it bounces back and you have to what? You got to catch it. Rule number one, if you drop it, you better run, okay? Because there's multiple people out there that are holding on to another ball and they're about to hit you, all right? So I'm, it's my first time playing wall ball. And uh, the school bully, rule number two, I didn't know rule number two. I was new, new to playing wall ball. Rule number two at our school in Jacksonville was that you don't hit the bully when he drops the ball. Well, I didn't know that. So the bully's playing this day, and his name's Quincy. Everybody say Quincy. He was not a nice fella. And so he threw the ball, and he broke rule number one. He didn't catch the ball. And so Quincy, he didn't run to the wall. What do y'all think he did? He walked. Not on my watch. He poked his chest out. He was just walking. And so I did what every, uh, you know, young man would do. I reached in my pocket. I had a racquetball in my pocket. It was hard. And I reared back, and I smoked Quincy in the back of the head, you know. <laughs> and I watched Quincy roll into the wall and fall down. He had tears in his eyes, and I'm like, I did that. You know, that was me. And everybody's looking to see where the ball came from. And I was kind of scared because I didn't, I didn't know rule number two. All I knew is that if you drop the ball, then I'm going to hit you with this ball. And so Quincy gets up, and what do y'all think he did? He V-lined right towards me. And I'm thinking, this is how it ends, you know. Quincy was a big man, you know. <laughs> I've never been in a fight before other than beating my older brother up. And so I, I was scared. And Quincy comes to me, and all I knew to do was to rear back and hit him. And so that's what I do. I delivered my first punch, and I knocked him down. Somebody say, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then I'm, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with my hands. So I just walked to the office. I was like, man, I'm probably in trouble, you know. And so I started walking to the office. And everybody's like, you could hear the gas. Everybody's like, ooh, you know. It's like a like typical, typical school fight scene. I walked to the office, and I walked into the principal's office, and I was like, 
I just hit Quincy in the face, and he was like, about time, you know, like he like mumbled under his breath, somebody, about time somebody hit him, you know, that's Jacksonville for you, and, uh, and it was so funny, and, and here's the thing, as a church, it's time for some of you to get in your first fight. I'm not talking about with each other. That was 2019, 2020, and 2021, where we saw adversity hit the church and adversity hit the world, and everybody started fighting together. It's about time that people pick up their weapons and fight. And you can't fight the devil with your fist. you got to fight him with the Word of God. And I've been saying it. I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. The message will never change. We have to get the Word of God inside of us. If Jesus had to memorize scripture and quote the scripture to beat up the devil, then why do you think you wouldn't need to? We need the word of God. I need the sword of the spirit. I need to be ready to fight. The enemy has one goal. It's to still kill and destroy every good thing that God's put in your life. The world's only getting crazier. And I've learned as a young pastor, a lot of people will wait until there's a catastrophe in their life until they cling to the presence of God. Can I encourage you today? Cling to the presence of God, pick up your weapons and get ready to fight before the battle comes. Because if you aren't prepared and the battle hits you in the face, you're not going to know what happened. Get ready to fight. Ephesians 6.12, it says, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of the evil and heavenly realms. Listen, you cannot fist fight the devil. You need the word of God. And my prayer is that you would fall in love with this book, that it would get inside of you, that it would change everything about you and your home and your family and your workplace, that every person in your life would see something different because of the word of God. Number three, I see a church that's led by the spirit. This isn't spooky, by the way, all right? I'm not about to start running or doing anything like that. I don't know what you grew up seeing. I didn't grow up in church. I just hear stories about different churches. We want to be led by the Spirit. I want to read some scripture. John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Galatians 5, 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Romans 8, uh, verse 5, it says, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit... They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. What are the things of the Spirit? Galatians tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these, there is no law. Does anybody need the fruit of the Spirit in their life? I want to be led by the Spirit. I see a church that's led by the Spirit, not flesh. I see a church that's led by the Spirit, not man. I see a church that's ready to be led by God in every area of your life. In the book of Acts, you see the phrase, they prayed, or after they prayed, 48 times. They prayed about everything. Pray about everything. Be led by the Spirit in everything. It says that they would pray and they were on fire for the things of God. They turned the world that they lived in upside down for the things of faith. Y'all, we are a byproduct of the Acts 2 church. I hope y'all know that. What started there has led to what is here today. The church was not leaning on a talent or a gift or their own ability or their own understanding. They weren't counting on any of that. What they were doing is they were desperate for the presence of God. 
They weren't trying to come up with a new strategy or growth method. They prayed. They read the word of God. They ate. Can I get an amen? And they, they showed up. And they wanted the presence of God. They met together in their homes and they saw a lot of change. What were the results? We see the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the engine of the church. What's sad is if you look across America, we see that somehow, some way, the Spirit of God has become just an accessory in the church. He needs to be the motor and the engine that gets us to where he's calling us to go. 2018 is the past. 2019 is the past. 2020 is gone. Praise the Lord. 2021 is behind us. Some of y'all are like, yes, and hallelujah, it is. God has new things for you and your family, but you can't pick up those new things and that new vision for your life if you're holding on to what was. Can I encourage you today to step into what God has for you and your family? If you would go ahead and stand to your feet across the room. We're about to have a song of worship here in a second and get ready to close this thing out. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Spirit, lead me. We'll try it again. Say, Spirit, lead me in all things. You are welcome here. Do what you want to do in my home, in my family, in this church, in this city, in this region, in my life, in Jesus' name. The last thing is very simple, and we're going to talk about this a lot next week. It's number four. I see a church that's committed to community. Have you ever tried to do life alone? It stinks. <laughs> it's no fun. It's really hard. It's really difficult. It says they devoted themselves to each other. They were committed to community. I see a church that's led by the Spirit, that's committed to growing closer to the things of God, ready for battle and committed to community. If you want to know what we're shooting for this fall, it's those things. That we would be committed to each other. If you have a need, that you wouldn't share that burden alone. That there's somebody in your life that wants to fight, not with you, but for you. That we're ready to grow. We hunger and thirst for righteousness in the things of God that God would stir something up on the inside of us. As we talked about last week, that you would fan into flame the gift of God inside of you and that we would see change in this region. I hope and I pray that we would be committed to biblical community. And if you would, just go ahead and close your eyes.